This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Hey, stackers. I'm going to ask you for a quick favor. We are currently trying to find out more about our audience, make sure that we bring the right stuff to you, and also make sure that we're pairing with the right partners for the show. If you could take just a second, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash survey. It'll take three or four minutes to complete, and that helps us a lot. Currently, we have about 70 people who've answered the survey. We need to get to 250 people that answer it. So if our listener, which is you, tells like 249 of your friends to take it then the listener and their friends og can help us get this done so thank you listener for doing that stackybenjamins.com forward slash survey you know i don't understand this podcasting thing how come you boys can't have those keg parties and chase the girls like all the other nice boys do Live from Joe's mom's half-finished basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey there, money nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today we're tackling personality profiles. Wait, 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 wait a minute, Joe. Remember the last time we did this online, the black helicopter showed up over my house, and all those guys with sunglasses were... Walking up and down our street. Okay. All right. Here we go. So today, folks, we are tackling personality profiles. How do you make your life and career work better? We'll ask that question to New York Times bestselling author Gretchen Rubin. Also, in our headline segment, what are some things clients say that make advisors cringe? And we'll still have time to throw out the Haven Lifeline to Kelly, who has a question about health savings accounts. We'll also answer your letters and wheel out a barrel full of my trivia. And here they are, two guys who together make up just about one whole personality, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G! Hey 
man, I've got about three quarters of that personality on my shoulders. I was going to say, if you ask the psychologist, I have like six personalities. (laughs) (laughs) And five of them are always yelling at each other. What's that all about? (laughs) Yeah, it's really conflicted up here. Welcome to Hump Day on the Stacky Benjamin Show, everybody. I am Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across the rickety card table from me with the mic held up with a bunch of books, it's the one and only other guy, or as we call him, OG. Yeah, I call with the uh, with a client the other day, and he says, "Do you guys really record in the basement?" And I said, "Well, yeah." <laughs> I love when people obviously when people ask. <laughs> Where that. else would we do this? Yeah, well, I'm glad we didn't have this under your microphone today. Check this out: the four tendencies, Gretchen Rubin. That's sharp looking. On the uh, on the New York Times bestseller list, right as she goes on the show. Coincidence? I don't think so. I think uh, she's been on three times, all three of those books, New York Times bestsellers, plus one more. I think that all has to do with us, OG. I mean, I'll pat us on the back. Well, it has to do with one of us. You know what else I'll pat us on the back for? Introducing people to Roofstock. You familiar with Roofstock, OG? Very interested in this. Absolutely, because two of the most frequent questions we get on our show are about, number one, diversification, and number two, passive income. How about an investment that combines the both of those together? Like a well-oiled machine, real estate can be the answer. Have you heard of Roofstock, the online marketplace that makes it easier than ever to buy, sell, and best of all, own tenant-occupied investment properties in top rental markets across the country? Whether it's your first time or your seasoned pro, all of Roofstock's certified properties are inspected in person so you know they're in good condition and have reliable tenants in place. How about that? You buy a place, you know you already have a reliable tenant no mess, no fuss, taken care of. And you can start earning monthly rental income right away. Roofstock even connects you with vetted local property managers so you can separate investing from operations. Best of all, Roofstock certified properties are backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. You won't find that anywhere else. Roofstock, property investing made simple. Visit stackybenjamins.com forward slash Roofstock to learn more about rental home investing and browse exclusive listings today. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. And... We're also sponsored by Magnify Money because when you're shopping for anything for that real estate, you're going to use some financial products, OG. And why would you have second-rate financial products when it's so easy to go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money and just have the best in class? I mean, it's easy as one click and you will find balance transfer credit cards, cashback rewards, 0% interest credit cards, checking accounts, savings accounts, CD rates, personal loans, student loan refinance, parent plus loans, auto loans, small business loans. It's all there. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. They make it really easy to compare, ditch, switch and save when it comes to your money. Excited about uh, all of that. In fact, you, you know, it's cool. When you're comparing, so you compare at Magnify Money, getting back to Roofstock for a second, if you go to Roofstock and you look at these properties, what I like is it will tell you your rate of return that you're going to make on a property. But you can also then go into things like if there's, uh, you can put in some assumptions, like if I'm going to finance the property, how much does that lower my return? If I'm going to pay a property manager, what does that do? Like they give you the calculator right there already with the stuff that's in for each property. So you start off with a property and then you can play with the numbers and figure out. You can manipulate them to kind of run some worst case scenarios, best case scenarios, that sort of thing. Based on your own circumstances. And I I like it. I was telling somebody the other day, they were saying that uh, they don't like the turnkey 
real estate stuff, and I personally don't. They don't? No, I don't either because the rate of return is pretty low. What I like oh, is... Oh, so you're talking about like a REIT or something like that. No, I'm talking about these people that you hand them some money and they go and they take care of everything, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roof stock on one end will take care of everything if you want them to while you're getting your feet wet or they'll take care of next to nothing. You can just look at these properties and buy a property, take care of the property manager, take care of the tenant yourself. They don't care. I mean, it's fantastic as much or as little as you want, which is why we ask them to sponsor the show. Enough about our sponsors. They're awesome. But even more awesome is Gretchen Rubin. She's upstairs talking to mom right now. And uh, while she's doing that, let's get to our headlines because, man, do we have some good ones. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. You know how people have goals and they uh, think that they can't reach the goal? Well, uh, in the New York Times last week, a down payment with a catch. You must be an Airbnb host. This is by Tara Siegel Bernard. If we only had the down payment, how many times have you heard that, OG? People come mm-hmm. and ask you, if I only had the down payment. Peace. When I was at the Maserati dealership the other day, that's what I thought. <laughs> right, <sir. laughs> that and only- the monthly payment and the stupidity that goes along with buying a $100,000 car. If I only had less brains <laughs> and more cash. <laughs> less brains and more cash. There you go. That may be one of the most frequent complaints among aspiring home buyers. Not more brains, <gasps> less cash. It's uh, or the other way around. Yes. That's a t-shirt. Less brains, more cash. Stacking Benjamins. TM. We'll ask Brad who makes our shirt. Yeah, I love it. All right. That's the thing. Yifan Zhang, a 29-year-old entrepreneur who often hears this lament that if people had the mortgage down payment among her friends, she's come up with a service that tries to help. When she bought a townhouse in Seattle with her husband last summer, she knew that the spare bedroom could generate extra income on Airbnb. Basically, what happens, this is Loftium, a service in Seattle. It provides prospective home buyers with up to $50,000 for a down payment, as long as they're willing to continuously list an extra bedroom on Airbnb for one to three years and share most of that income with Loftium over the time. So they'll help you with the down payment if you give them some money. And it's funny, I don't want to talk about Loftium that much. Maybe we'll have them on the Friday FinTech thing. But what I do like is a lot of times when people go at goals, they come at it from one angle. And if they look at it from a different angle, they can achieve the goal. They just have to be able to kind of back away and open their eyes. There's often a lot of different ways that you can solve anything. And this is a great example of, especially in some place like Seattle or Dallas or New York, where the cost of living or cost of housing is so high, uh, even for, quote unquote, a starter home, this is a great way to kind of bridge that gap. I'll give you another example. There's a woman who wanted, really wanted to retire to a house on Lake Michigan, just beautiful along the shoreline. Well, of course, you look at those properties, OG. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to live there? Not cheap. Not cheap at all. And beautiful houses along that. And she couldn't afford it. So a friend of mine was working with her as her advisor and said, you know what, maybe we can't do that, but you're really a people person. Do you mind working during your retirement years? And she's like, oh, no, I love to work. That'd be fantastic. She bought a bed and breakfast on a hill across the street where from the bed and breakfast, you get this beautiful view of Lake Michigan. You're not on Lake Michigan, but you're across the street. And because she has people coming into her house, which, by the way, she's a total extrovert and she loves She owns a house along Lake Michigan, gets the rush of different people coming to visit all the time and the Mm -hmm. income she needs to make it work. Perfect. Yeah, took that that goal. I I love this. We'll link to this in the show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Our second piece, and I love this one from Investopedia, 
10 things clients say that make advisors cringe. <laughs> I, I looked through this. So this is a, this is a look into the other side. I mean, we talk about all the time and you see in the popular press, people talk about things that advisors say that make clients cringe. Let's go to the other side here. Uh, ready for this? Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear this list. I, I will confirm or deny. Deposits. Okay. We're going to start with deposits. Quote, I'll deposit more into my investment account when the investments start performing better. Eh, I don't really hear that. Do you? You know, I did early in my career, but as I became better at educating people at about what our strategy was and what we were actually trying to do. But early in my career, it was, yeah, I'm not putting more money into that. That thing sucks. Well, that thing mm. doesn't suck. The market sucks, dude. We're actually, I, I remember a specific conversation where this gentleman was in a fund that was beating its index for his kid's college, had consistently beaten its index. And he's like, yeah, this fund isn't performing. Wait, what are you talking about? This fund's not performing. Well, you know, it's down 4% since we bought it six months ago. Yeah, but the market's down five. You're, yeah. you're down four. The market's down five. This competes directly against the market. Well, you know what? Don't want to. Once it turns around, then I'll put. Okay, so we don't I'd want. Like to buy, I'd like to pay more for it, please. <laughs> yes. when, this, when this tuna fish isn't on sale anymore, then I will be buying more of it. Okay. How about this one? And this was another one I heard early in my career. Uh, loans. I'm taking a loan from my 401k to buy a boat. Hope it's a nice boat. Well, and the one, the, the one that I know, there was another advisor in my office, his client, not only did he take a 401k loan to buy a boat, it was a down payment on the boat. So he took a 401k loan and he took an outside loan, a boat loan, right? To buy the boat using money that they had freed up with a different debt consolidation strategy to take out the boat loan. I hope that he likes boats. Yeah. You know, they say, you know, the two best days in a boat owner's life. The day they buy it and the day they sell it. Yep. Yeah. Every boat, every boat owner I've ever met. I love boats, though. If it's your boat, I'm coming over and using it all yeah, the time. Yeah, totally. Totally cool with somebody else owning a boat. Absolutely. When I was growing up, we had a pretty kick-ass swimming pool. And I saw more relatives when we had a swimming pool than I've <laughs> ever seen since or saw before. It was awesome. Uh, next one. Say what? Quote, oh, this one I heard all the time. If I get disabled and can't work and don't have insurance, I'll just kill myself. Oh, better yet, uh, with long-term care, I'll have Nancy kill me. Yeah. 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 If I get Alzheimer's, I'll just have, I'll, I'll have, I'll have my wife kill me. This like is, that, that, that doesn't work out the way that you think it does. This is kind of dated now, but uh, Bill Moyer, uh, you know, the uh, the reporter had a fantastic special on PBS and they, they still replay it from time to time about long term care and about the problems. And it was part of it was, you know, he's he's interviewing different people. And there was a guy who was completely paralyzed and he had said all along that euthanasia was his track and he couldn't do it and his spouse couldn't do it. And all oh, the tears. I mean, I'm, I, I was watching the thing and there's, it was getting dusty in the room. I had to, you know, I had to fix my eyes because of all the dust in the room. But yeah, that time comes. Is that really your strategy? Yeah, that's adult child behavior right there. Next one. I want to buy a home because it's a good investment. I don't hear that as much anymore as I do. Maybe it's that I'm around people that are more educated in this area more often. But once again, when I first started my career talking to a wide range of people, I often heard, well, my house is my retirement. Haven't heard that as much, 
People are thinking real estate is pretty good lately because it's kind of gone straight up in some really key major metro areas here of late. But um, but as we saw in 2006 to 2010, it can also be a pretty gnarly holding <laughs> if you're not living in it. Well, yeah. I mean, the big thing for me with real estate, it's a fine diversifier and long term, you know, rental real estate's a great place to be. The house that you live in, though, is your strategy really this house where you had all these memories that it's mandatory, mandatory that you move out or your strategy doesn't work? Yeah. I mean, yes. how, how you know, you, you love the place where you live. Next, I'm taking Social Security as soon as I can get it at age 62. A person has to live too long to make waiting to normal retirement worthwhile. Um, um, that's not the one you hear. The one you hear more likely is, I don't want them government fools to be hanging on to my money anymore. Give it to me now. I want, I want my money. You're like, yeah, it's not the, it's okay. The math used to work in your favor to take it as early as possible. Doesn't work that way. Anymore. Yeah, when you died really young. <laughs> not anymore. Quote, I'll make my mom the beneficiary of my life insurance. I know she'll take care of my kids. <laughs> don't do that one. <laughs> Please don't do that one. Mom doesn't want you to do that one. Well, it's again, it just it it creates problems that don't need to exist, right? If only there was a better way to fix that, like maybe a will. If only something called a will existed. Well, I'm just saying, like, if you it's well and fine and people and I'm sure that mom's going to take care of your kids or your brother or something like that. But how do you get money to that person then? How do you get money to your kids from your brother or your mom? Mom's got to gift it to them, right? And if she gives them too much, then there's tax problems. And it's just. I love this one. The market looks safe now. So it's a good time to invest. Safety and market. Those two <laughs> words are synonymous. <laughs> if you want safety, put your money in stocks. Uh, and actually, you know what? That is true. If you're going to look 10 years. Probably is safe over a long period of time. Yeah. Right 10 years down the road, if you're looking there, it's fine. If you're looking day to day, are you kidding me? It's better to take your money down to the casino and just put it on red. Double zero, dude. That's where the big money's at. I was, yeah, go big or go home. I was thinking I should just take the money out of my 401k or IRA and pay off the mortgage. Oh. There you go. Oh, yep. boy. While you're at it, why don't you... Um, Go sell your house for 30% what it's worth or go buy oh. the neighbor's house for 30 or 40% more than it's worth. Here's, here's another good one. Quote, I'm not enrolling in supplemental life insurance or buying additional term life because I, if I die, my wife can go back to work or remarry. <laughs> Screw her. If I'm not around, I have a, I'm not funding her second marriage. I love that one. That's when you look at the, the spouse and you say, well, Nancy... How do you feel about being a prostitute? Because that's effectively what you're about to do. <laughs> that's what your husband just said that you're going to do. You're going to go marry a guy for money or go work, you know. <laughs> Good luck with that. I was listening to a show, 99% uh, Invisible, was talking about basic income. And in our close Facebook group, The Basement, I shared the link. But the the funny thing was... They talked about how under Nixon, they actually looked at this for a while and gave people some money, different groups of people, and they didn't lay it out really evenly. But the very first thing that happened, divorce rates went up. And the reason divorce rates went up was because economic slavery of women, right, who've been married to this dude because he's been bringing home the paycheck and they can't stand him. The second they get a guaranteed check that they could just go do whatever, they immediately... First thing I thought about when you were telling that story. Yeah, fun stuff. 
wonder if Mrs. OG feels like she's an economic slave. I, 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 I'm not to ask her. I'm not even going. I'm not getting in the middle of that one. I think our lessons here are number one. When you think about markets and you think about your economic situation, really think through the strategy instead of the I'm going to use my house or I'm going to wait till the market does X. Really think through that before you uh, rely on that for your financial picture. And then number two, have a big goal in mind that you don't think you can reach. Maybe, OG, if you put on a different lens, you might be able to reach that goal in a different way than you thought was possible initially. OG is she the host of the wildly popular Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast, but she's one of the most influential writers on human nature. We first talked to her about her book, The Happiness Project, and her books in total have sold nearly 3 million copies in more than 30 languages. She's been interviewed by Oprah, walked arm in arm with the Dalai Lama, whoever that is, and started her career as a law clerk for Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. But none of that really matters, does it? Because we're about to make her career today. As she comes down to the basement for the third time, let's welcome Gretchen Rubin back to the Stacking Benjamin Show. And walking down the stairs, Gretchen Rubin, have a seat. How are you? Well, actually, I should before you answer that, I should say New York Times bestselling author Gretchen Rubin. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be talking to you today. Well, you did it again. Is this becoming ho-hum, like this whole New York Times thing? You're like, whatever, I'm New York Times. Uh. <laughs> no, it's totally, this is the fourth time. Every time, it is so thrilling. It's such a big milestone in the life of a writer. It will never get old. I'm so happy. Thank you to all the readers who supported my books. It is a huge thrill to see the book on the bestseller list. Well, so you're out with a friend and you're eating a cheeseburger. She's messing around with her salad and you found the grain that became these four tendencies that you talk about. Tell me that story, Gretchen. Yeah, I was. we were having lunch and I am a little bit of a happiness bully, as my sister calls me. And so I was <laughs> grilling her about her, her happiness, her habits. And she said just something very simple that I'd heard many people say similar things before. She said, I know I would be happier if I exercised. And the weird thing is, when I was in high school, I was on the track team, and I never missed track practice. So why can't I go running now? And I thought, well, why? It's the same person. It's the same behavior. At one time, it was effortless. Now she can't do it. What, what's going on? How do you explain that? And, what, and I just became preoccupied with trying to understand this puzzle. And as I thought about that, I realized there were other patterns in ways that people would sort of respond similarly in situations like people who would say, oh, if, if you would talk about New Year's resolutions, they'd say, oh, well, I would do a New Year's resolution whenever it made sense, but I wouldn't do it on the new year. I wouldn't do it on January 1st because January 1st is an arbitrary date. And I was like, that's funny. Like the arbitrariness of it never bothered me. And so I began to pick up on these patterns in how people behaved but it took me a really long time to understand that the common thread was this idea of expectation. That's really at the heart of the four tendencies is this idea of how do you respond to expectation? You said that the world is made up of two types of people, those that divide the world into two types of people and those who don't. <laughs> and I, I literally laughed out loud right the, when, I, when I read that. But why is this important to us to divide the world into these four tendencies? 
Well, you know, sometimes people don't like labels. They don't like categories. They feel like if you define me, you can find me. But I feel like it's really helpful to have a vocabulary and kind of a shortcut way to talk about how people see the world differently. The thing about the four tendencies is once you see them, they're very blatant. It's it's not a subtle difference. Like it's a glaring difference among how people respond in situations. And once you know about the four tendencies, it's much easier to show compassion for yourself because it's like, oh, well, now I understand why something comes really easily to my sweetheart, but I'm struggling. Okay, now I understand that. There's nothing wrong with me. I just need things set up in a different way. Or you can set things up for somebody else where it's like, okay, now I understand why my child's not doing his homework, or I understand why my coworker is not able to follow through on time, or I understand why this person seems like they're just being obstructionist and stubborn. Now I understand that from their perspective, what they're doing makes good sense. So it's just a question of creating a situation where we can all thrive. Yeah, people wonder, I, I think, what this has to do with money. But I think it's important if you have a boss or a coworker or a family member, you're in a relationship, it's impossible to meet your goals if you're not communicating. Right, exactly. Exactly. It's very hard not to assume that everybody sees the world the way we see it, and they just don't. You know, so it's really helpful to realize what those differences might be. Although I think everybody should see the world the way I see it, Gretchen. Oh, really? Well, <laughs> uh, well, you're getting your word out. Maybe you're persuading people to see the world the way you I was going to say, what tendency, so does, what tendency does that make me? Right. Bully. Yeah. But I didn't see bully in here as one of the four. Uh-huh. Right. Yes. Well, let's attack these because I'm sure everybody is wondering right now, what are the four tendencies? So do you mind giving us a little shortcut on uh, on what they are? hundred percent. So it's how do you respond to expectations, outer expectations, like a work deadline or request from a friend and inner expectations, like your own desire to keep a New Year's resolution, your own desire to get back into playing guitar. So there are upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels. Upholders readily meet outer and inner expectations. They meet the work deadline. They keep the New Year's resolution without much fuss. They want to know what people expect from them, but their expectations for themselves are just as important. Then there are questioners. Questioners question all expectations. They'll do it if they think it makes sense. So they don't like anything arbitrary, inefficient, unjustified. So they're making everything an inner expectation. If it meets their inner standard, they'll do it. If it fails their their inner standard, they will resist. Then obligers. Obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. And this explains my friend on the track team. When she had a team and a coach waiting for her, no problem. When she's just trying to go running on her own, she struggles. And then finally, rebels. Rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. They want to do what they want to do in their own way, in their own time. If you ask or tell them to do something, they're very likely to resist. And typically, they don't even like to tell themselves what to do. No. So those are the four. Yeah, and I'm an obliger. I'm somebody Ah. that looks at the outside stuff. And if you tell me you need something done, I always categorize that ahead of what I need for myself, my own expectation. My question for you is you describe yourself as an upholder, somebody that takes internal and external expectations. And what I wonder about somebody like you, Gretchen, as an obliger trying to understand an upholder, how do you weigh those so evenly? Like, it seems like if somebody asks you to do something and you have your own expectation, like those often clash against each other. And I think, man, if you're an upholder, that could be frustrating when your inner and your outer expectations are at odds. Well, that's a very good point, and that's one of the challenges for upholders is to balance outer and inner. But actually, the fact is that often upholders will look cold sometimes and unfeeling maybe to obligers because let's say the following situations arise. You and I are at work, and you say, hey, the reports are due tomorrow. Can you proofread my report for me? 
And I would say, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, my reports do too. So I have to, I have to work on my own report or we're having company this weekend. And I'm like, Oh, we're having all these guests. Let's make a lot of plans. And you're like, Oh yeah, but you know, I'm training for the marathon. So I do have to do that 12 mile run on Saturday. And I'm like, what? But you know, to an upholder, it's like, these are expectations that have to be met. So they can seem cold because those inner expectations are just as compelling, sometimes more compelling than outer expectations. And when it comes to the breakdown of all four of these, how, how does the population at large break down among these four tendencies? Well, you're in the biggest category. Of course I the am. Obliger category is the rock of the world. You either are an obliger or you have many obligers in your life. That is the biggest tendency for both men and women. Then behind them is questioners. That's also a very big tendency. The smallest tendency is the rebel tendency. It is a very conspicuous tendency, but very few people are rebels. And in fact, it's the smallest tendency, but it's the longest chapter because I think it's the most different from the other three. You kind of really have to wrap your mind around the rebel tendency. And then, but my, my tendency, the upholder tendency is only slightly larger. So upholders and rebels, these are kind of the extreme types. They're small. If you're dealing, if you're like managing a large team or a classroom or you're designing a program or a device, you want to think about the fact that probably most of the people who are going to be coming to you are going to be obligers and questioners. So in a workplace environment then, how do I, and I want to start with the rebel, because if I've got a rebel and I'm trying to lead a team, right, and I understand that they're a rebel, how do I still integrate them successfully into my team? Well, there's two avenues that work well with rebels, because what you need to remember about rebels is they can do anything they want to do. They can do anything they choose to do. They tend to resist anything that's like repetitive and kind of feels locked in, like dull, repetitive tasks. Like for me, the idea of every day being exactly the same sounds thrilling. I would love that. <laughs> Rebels right. don't like that. And Rebels also want to project their authentic identity into their environment. They always want to be true to themselves. So you can tap into these. There's sort of two main avenues. One is to think about identity. What is What kind of person does this Rebel want to be? Does this Rebel want to be a, like a considerate team member? Does this Rebel want to be a, a respected leader? Does this Rebel want to have a lot of influence and power within an organization? If you remind them of their identity like that, if you say, you know, when you come late to the meeting, it makes everybody feel like you think your time is more important than our time. Okay, is that the kind of person you want to be? And the, the rebel might be like, no, because I'm the kind of person who shows consideration for others. I'm not going to act that way because that's not who I am. So that's that's an appeal to identity. Who do you want to be? What kind of person are you? The other thing is to think about information consequences choice. You give the inf the rebel the information they need. You you tell them the consequences of their actions or their inactions, and then you let them choose. So you might say to a rebel. Hey, you know what? We heard from this client and they've got this very cool project. Um, this is the budget. This is the deadline. If we got this job and we did really good work, it could mean more projects like this for all of us, which would mean more interesting work and more money. Does this feel like something you want to tackle? Oh. Information, consequences, choice. Do you want to do it or not? I'm not going to tell you that you have to do it. I'm just saying like this is the situation. Do you want to succeed or not? You cannot keep insisting to a rebel, you have to, this is the rule, you said you'd do it, everybody's expecting you. These are not persuasive with rebels. This is who you want to be, this is what you choose to do, this is what you like to do. You know, they, they often love to meet a challenge. Man, I don't know, I do not think you can get this work done by Friday, but I have seen you do amazing work <laughs> in the past, we will see. Um, you know. Or, you know, sometimes rebels have said putting things in the negative is more effective than putting them in the positive. Like, so I guess you guys are going to blow through that deadline, right? No, we're going to make the deadline. Not like, now, are you guys going to make that deadline? 
we're not going to like that, who cares what your deadline is it'll take as long as it takes you know so you always want to be thinking about triggering that spirit of resistance this is very very hard to wrap your mind around if you're not a rebel it's like there's the thrill of the chase for them yeah there can be now one thing that's important to recognize about all the tendencies is this is one very narrow aspect of anybody's nature sure so like you're an obliger and we could line up 50 obligers and depending on how intellectual they were how curious they were how uh, considerate of other people's feelings they were, how ambitious they were, how extroverted or introverted they were, how adventurous they were, how neurotic they were, how controlling they were. All these things, they would be very different. But as to one thing, they would be the same, which is how do they respond to expectations? So you could have a highly idealistic, ambitious rebel who cares a lot about other people's feelings. And you could have a rebel who's not very ambitious, doesn't really care about other people's feeling and like really doesn't, isn't very interested in the world. And they would look very different from each other. Except if you said to them, will you do this? Their answer would be, you're not the boss of me. Cause they would be right in, in, in how they respond to expectations. That would be the same. So sometimes with the tendencies, people want to like create a whole picture, like all rebels are creative or all obligers are people pleasers or all upholders are super driven. No, I've seen slacker upholders. I've seen curmudgeonly obligers. I've seen rebels who like basically get nothing done because that's not what the tendency tells you. The tendency only tells you how somebody's going to respond to an expectation. But that turns out to be quite significant. It's just a narrow slice, but it comes up often in everyday life. Sure. Well, you're a very creative upholder because I would have never I would have never categorized people this way. But just like you said, and this is not, as you also said, this is not their entire being. But once once I started reading the four tendencies, it's, it's I, I thought to myself, Gretchen, I'm like, this is so right in front of me. It's like right in front of me, kind of like the aha you had when you finally saw it. Well, this is the thing that's funny to me. I'm like, really? Am I the first one to notice this? As far as I can tell, no one else has ever identified this aspect of, of the way people are different from each other. Because like you say, once you hear it, it's blatant. Yes. It's not a subtle thing that yeah. you like have to pick and like and analyze. It's like right in front of you. I mean, it, it's really, really obvious and very easy. And in fact, this is one of the things, um, this has been very exciting to me since the book is sort of, the ideas come out is that like, People like doctors and teachers and coaches and people like this are starting to use it as a tool because it's very e it's very easy to apply. You don't you don't have to have any kind of training to pick out the different tendencies from each other. It's very blatant, and then you just know how to communicate, set things up for them eat more easily. But it's very easy to use. It's not like you have to sit somebody down for like a two hour right. you know analytical thing. It's like oh my gosh, you can tell. I was talking to Melissa Hartwig, who's the, one of the founders of Whole30, and she said if somebody writes more than two sentences in an Instagram post, she can usually tell their tendency. <laughs> it's obvious. Well, well, and my question is, if you're an upholder, I noticed that the upholder circle and the rebel circle, they don't intersect at all. Is, is that person the antithesis of you? Do they rub you the wrong way? Well, you know, I think you're pointing out something that's very true. They are opposites. Um, and they, I think of all the tenants, I have a chapter in the four tendencies where I talk about where, what, what you could, what patterns you might expect to see when the tendencies pair up. And I think the most challenging one is a polder rebel, not to say that I have never met like an upholder rebel married couple or something like that, because they definitely exist. Cause there are all these other factors in your personality sure. and your history that make a difference. That does tend to be the most challenging because like you say, they're, they're the most extreme personalities and they're the most opposite personalities. And so like, Upholders uh, tend to love things like 
schedules, calendars, to-do lists. They love execution. They are very good at following through on commitment. Whereas rebels, like they like, they value spontaneity. They want to do whatever they feel like whenever they feel like it. They don't want to commit to an expectation because they don't know how they're going to feel. Um, they just have a very different way of, from, of seeing the world, and that can be hard to bridge. I know many rebels and work well with many rebels, but I definitely am always thinking about the fact that I need to speak the rebel language and not necessarily communicate with them in the shorthand that would be kind of the most instinctive to me as an upholder. Right. And that's what I like is learning how to speak these other languages. And that's definitely what I got from the book mostly is, is being able, and it says it right. The book is called the four tendencies, the indispensable personality profiles that reveal how to make your life better. But the part I really like and how to make other people's lives better too. And I like that. I make other people's lives better too. And I talk to them on their terms. Right, right, right. Because talking to them on your own terms may work if they see the world the way you do. But if they don't, then it's just they're not going to be able to take in your message and in your information as effectively. So I think one of the things, you know, is to think about how can you inc- communicate it in a lot of different ways so that you're pushing a lot of people's buttons, not just the people who have the same buttons as you. The book is available everywhere. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about that crazy little podcast of yours. How's that going? It's great. It's Happier with Gretchen Rubin. Uh, I do it with my sister, my co-host, who's an obliger. Elizabeth is an obliger. Um, And it's so much fun. We talk every week about how to be happier, healthier, more productive, more creative. Um, And we're having so much fun doing it. And we'll link to that also in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Gretchen, have fun with the rest of the tour for the book. Thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes. Thanks. It's so much fun to drop by. Hey everyone, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and as you know, I'm the wizard of fascinating and weird stuff on this show. In fact, I know I'm one of a kind because Joe's mom says so. Seriously. The other day when I was telling her I was getting the air rotated in my tires again, well, it's been almost a year, so I had to do it. She looked at me and she said, and I quote, you are one of a kind. Well, she said it just like that too. She's so nice. Well, and to prove it, Let me dish you out a scoop of that delicious trivia you've been waiting for. Today's question is this. On average, when someone gets an inheritance, how long does it take for them to spend it all? I'll have your answer right after this. Hey, stackers, we get used to those same daily routines, don't we? Wake up at the same time every morning, brush our teeth, park the car in the same spot at work every day, recite jokes in the mirror to be funnier than that jerk of the water cooler. Or is that what just me. Here's one thing you shouldn't make routine, using the same credit card from the same bank just because that's what you've always done. Nick Clements from Magnify Money explains why. I mean, it's never been a better time, honestly, to find a a credit card, especially given the lucrative sign-on bonuses that are out there. Uh, Chase just recently had $100,000 on on their reserve card. I, I think we're at a point right now where credit cards are are extremely profitable for large banks. Um, and they are really wanting to get more customers. And so they're, they're rolling out the red carpet. So I would just say, if, you're, you, if you have had a credit card for more than two or three years, chances are there's a much better deal out there for you today. So why stick with that same old card with those rewards that haven't changed in years? You can use MagnifyMoney.com to always find best in class, including better interest rates. And don't only use Magnify Money for credit cards. Nick and the team have built the site from the ground up to help with personal loans, student loans, and mortgages. Average person saves $450 in interest when they hit stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnified money. Here's a question. 
What's keeping you away from investing in real estate? Over my career, I repeatedly hear that time, you know, the time it takes to find renters, property managers, and to fix problems and stress. What if you don't find a good property manager? What if you don't find a renter? Those are two of the biggest factors keeping people away from investing in real estate. We talked to Gary Beasley, CEO of Roofstock, about how the team at Roofstock are helping you take back a good night's sleep. The biggest pain point I have found is management. When you buy properties, you don't want to get calls about the tenant having a clogged toilet in the middle of the night. We solve that by finding third-party managers in each market who handle all the details for you. How's that for an advantage? Roofstock's online marketplace makes it easier than ever to buy, sell, and own tenant-occupied investment properties in top rental markets across the country. You own the house, but Roofstock handles as much or as little of the headache-inducing issues that you've come to expect with renting, but that doesn't have to happen if you partner with the right team. Best of all, Roofstock's certified properties are backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Check them out at stackybedjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. That's stackybedjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. Hey everyone, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, back with your amazing and maybe a little disheartening trivia answer. Here was your trivia question again. On average, when someone receives an inheritance, how long does it take for them to spend it all? The answer... On average, a person spends their entire inheritance in 18 months. <laughs> Thank goodness that whoever my mom is blessed me with the inheritance of her good looks. Mine's going to last forever. See ya. Big thanks to Gretchen Rubin for coming down to the basement. Oh, gee, I like this idea with your career, and I think it makes you a lot more money if, if you, and it does just make you a lot more money. It makes your life better, but certainly better communication helps you earn a higher income. And if you talk to people on their terms versus your terms, I think you're going to get more done. At the end of the day, you got to take a little bit of ownership for what you want to do, but having good partners and being kind of open with what you're trying to accomplish uh, doesn't hurt. Yeah. Let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends over at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they're disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on those two things that you value most. Uh, Fruit Loops and hard-boiled eggs. Bam! That's three and four, and Haven Life knows that. But the first two, just barely above that, is your family and your time. That's why... They were the first life insurance startup that's also wholly owned by industry giant Mass Mutual to create a high-quality, affordable term life insurance policy you can purchase entirely online. When I talk about high-quality, I think you have to worry about the rating of your insurance agency. And if you check out the rating on Haven Life, I think you're going to be very excited, not only by that, but also by the price. And qualified healthy applicants can even skip the medical exam. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and to learn about life insurance the modern way. Man, if you're healthy and you're looking for life insurance, being able to no skip, quicker way. Being able to skip that medical exam, you're gonna make a bunch of money on your side hustle or your main job on all that time that you save and the freedom from worry if you're accepted much, much quicker. Today, we're throwing out the Haven Lifeline to our brand new friend, Kelly. Say hello, Kelly. Hey, Joe and OG. 
I uh, really love the show. Got a very quick question for you about HSAs. Once you start having a you know, pretty large balance in an HSA account and you have enough to cover several years of uh, medical expenses, it would be nice to be able to start investing a portion of that money. There does not seem to be a lot of options out there for investing HSA accounts uh, versus you know just keeping it in like a basic savings account. So if you have any ideas or suggestions of how uh, or where you can actually go about investing the money, I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks for the question. And OG, investing HSA accounts, it's not as, you know, there there aren't as many options as there are with a basic IRA. You know, the all the major companies are going to have some way for you to do this. A couple things on HSAs, you can transfer them while you're still employed from the provider that your company uses to another provider. But generally speaking, to get the match, you know, because usually the employer gives you like a thousand bucks if you use the high deductible plan or something like that to get their money, that money has to go into the plan that they specify. So if your plan doesn't have an investment option or investment choices, you can transfer that to any number of places. Uh, Just Google it and you'll find a number of brokerage companies that have HSA investment options there, all the big ones that you can think of. And you'll have the unlimited choices that you're looking for in terms of how to invest it. Here's how we do it in our family. I want to have the maximum annual out-of-pocket cost in cash in my HSA. And then every dollar above that, I'll invest. Because if I burn through all the maximum out-of-pocket in one year, that is a pretty bad health care cost year. So I figure that that gives me enough of a runway to then continue to accumulate you know, cash or whatever over the next year uh, without having to get into the investments. So easy to transfer, but you probably have to keep your current plan open if you want to get the employer side of it. Awesome. And that's how it works. I got nothing to add. How about that? You, uh, for once, answered the entire question. Nice. nice. For once. (laughs) First time out of 600 chances. I'm passing you the gold star across the table. Oh, cool. If you've got a question for the Haven Lifeline like Kelly did today... You know what? It's really easy. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail or just go to Stacking Benjamins. You'll see got a question and uh, click that and you'll find that link very easy to use. And Kelly, we're going to send out a uh, Stacking Benjamins Greatest Money Show on Earth t-shirt co-branded with Haven Life. And you can see all of our shirts, by the way, for the show at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash shirts. Uh, Brad over at Flying Pork Apparel does a phenomenal job with with Stacky Benjamin's swag. We also get letters to this here podcast. Doug brought down the mail today, and a uh, letter comes from Colton. And Colton says, I'm interested in investing in bond exchange-traded funds, but I'm not sure which ones I should look at. I prefer to buy several shares below the $50 range that aren't astronomical in fees. Any suggestions on which ones may fit my portfolio? Thank you, and keep stacking. Thanks for the question. And I love... Now, I don't know if Colton's baiting you or not. Uh, He's probably baiting me. By asking you which bond ETFs he should buy. Yeah. I'll take uh, what is C, none of the above, Alex. Um, Not to spend too much time on why you don't want to have any bond funds, but let's just say that you have some that you need. Obviously, um, you've decided to take a leap into the dark side. Um, (laughs) I can't control that. You know, you're Anakin Skywalker and the force is strong. But uh, listen, here's the big thing with fixed income. 
there's really two things that matter. Credit risk, which is how likely is your loan to get repaid? Because that's effectively what you're doing, right? You're effectively loaning money to a company or a government. And then how long do you have to wait to get it repaid? That's what we call duration. And so right now, the way the yield curve works is that it doesn't make any sense to have long, crappy bonds. And what I mean by that is bonds that have a long payback period, a long duration, and with companies that are at risk. So you want to focus on shorter term, like one to five years in terms of duration. That's what you want to look for. And you want to find higher quality companies to lend money to. And this just might be the governments, uh, different governments throughout the country or throughout the country, throughout the world, as well as um, as well as some tolerably decent companies. So you want to do high credit, low duration. That's kind of what you want to look for right now. Yeah. Did I did I get another gold star? You seem to be. Well, I like that. I think oh, if you've you have a, some data. Okay. Well, I think if you have a long term goal, I think if you have a long term goal, Colton, and you're going to look at bonds at all. I would go closer to bonds that perform more closely to stocks. So I'd actually go really, really, really long range because the short-term fluctuation isn't going to matter over the over the long term. So I would look at high-yield bonds, which people call junk bonds sometimes. And people go, oh, junk bonds, ton of risk. Junk bonds actually have less risk on the risk-reward pyramid over a long period of time than, than most large company stock funds. So I'm not that worried about that in a junk bond ETF. I'm also uh, thinking like uh, one that invests in preferreds or super, super long-range bonds. Because over a long period of time, OG, this current situation where you're looking at big losses isn't that dire over the long term. And he wants to get as close to stock returns as possible, I think. So basically the exact opposite of what I said. Exactly the exact opposite, which is why I which is why I like but well, you're protecting against what's clearly going to happen over the short run, right? You're protecting against that. I'm saying if you ignore that, if your goal's long range, use long long-term bonds. Use an aggressive long-term bond strategy. If it's short range, then use, you know, high quality, the exactly what you said. If your goal's long term though, wouldn't you just go with stocks? Yes, but he said he's going with bonds. He's got his heart oh. set on bonds. So I'm, so I'm giving him the bonds you, that you, work. You're giving him the medicine he asked for. Exactly. Not the medicine that'll work. Even though I full well agree with you, it may not be the right medicine, Colton. Might not be the right medicine. But if you're going to take that medicine, look high yield. Take the pink flavored. Preferreds. Yeah, take the blue pill. See how far this rabbit hole goes. <laughs> Thanks. It seems like I take the blue pill every time I... Come down here. Get on the podcast. What are we doing? Thanks for the letter, Colton. If you've got a letter for the show, of course, the Haven Lifeline is the number one place to go. But you can also ask us uh, in writing, and that is joe at stackingbenjamins.com. Or you can just go to the top of the page and ask a question of the show. Also, if you've got really in-depth questions where you know you need an advisor in your corner, Here's what you do. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG because he's taking clients and definitely not show questions there. Don't send your show questions there. Send your questions about what it takes to get uh, OG in your corner. That'll link to his schedule and uh, bada boom, bada bing. You're talking to OG one-on-one at that point. Thank you to everybody who's told a friend about the show. It's really exciting, especially after some of the awards we've won to hear some of the, the testimonials. 
from people. It's always it's always a thrill. And thank you very much for uh, referring people to the show. We really appreciate it. Coming up on Friday, we have another fantastic roundtable for you. I'm going to leave that one a mystery. OG, I'm not going to tell people, but we've got some got some fun we're talking about greg mcfarland i think is probably going to be on his game on friday but uh we'll leave that for friday we'll see you back here on monday og everybody else see you on friday go stack some benjamins all right doug take it from here man sure thing joel tell everybody what we learned today why don't you just get back to searching for your personality between the sofa cushions hey everybody first take gretchen rubin's advice talk to people on their terms not yours and your career and life and those of your friends will be much better because of it. Second, have a goal that seems out of reach. Maybe by stepping back, you'll find a creative solution that might not have been apparent at first, like renting out a room on Airbnb. But the big lesson? Take this advice Joe's mom just shared with me. Be thankful you aren't made up of ice cream because that could be a rocky road. Great tip, Mom. Special thanks to Joe's mom. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and... I swear the worst part about coming over to Joe's mom's house is having to put on pants. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Tall and tan and young and lovely. When Joe walks down the basement, he passes OG and he says, Hey, Joe, why you gotta prance around like that? Welcome to the After Show. This is, for those of you new and you just discovered us, congratulations. But this is the part of the show that doesn't exist. And everyone who's here, who's been here before, will tell you that what happens in the After Show stays in the After Show. We do not talk about this. And sometimes we talk about funny stuff that we found in the news. Sometimes we talk about stories from our family. Sometimes we review movies, video games, board games. Getting ready to play a couple cool board games tonight with some friends. 
I was going to sell this game called Bus, and it's a game I've had for a while. I like it, but for a bajillion reasons, it just never gets the table. We never, ever play it, and I'm cleaning house, and I said, you know, some of these games that I don't play, uh, let's make some money, let's clear some shelf space, let's clear, you know, my coach always talks to me about less stuff, right, and not less clutter, so selling a bunch of games, but I was going to sell Bus. And then I went to price it after a friend of mine told me that he'd be interested in buying it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll give you a friends and family discount. Go see it. Bus has been out of print for a long time, apparently. I didn't know that. And it's currently selling for almost $200 for a game that cost me 50 bucks. So I guess no friend and family discount. <laughs> I'm like, guess what? <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I did not realize that this is worth what it's worth. And so, and also today, uh, before I sell it, my, my friends want to play it. So, and maybe, maybe I'll keep it now because it seems to be worth a lot. The problem with board games is that when board games get that expensive, you know what happens? People realize that's a hot commodity and a publisher brings out a new version, which totally sinks the old one. Cause the second that it's, you know, it's really hot and you can't get it. That scarcity goes away with the new edition and you, yeah. you watch that. And I've seen people do that where it just evaporates the want for that yeah. uh, old edition. Got to strike when the iron's hot then, Yeah, I guess. It reminds me of my uh, my cousin, not a wine drinker. You're a wine drinker. A little bit I am. And um, there's a wine company called Quintessa. Mucho dinero, right, to get a case of this wine. And his wife had been getting from her boss a case of Quintessa every year. <laughs> it's just been piling up in his basement. And he made some comment one day about wine, and I don't know what to do with all this wine. I said, well, what do you got? And he says, um, I don't know, I got like four or five cases of Quintessa down there. I'm like, oh, um, do you want to sell them? And he's like, why, why do people come, keep on asking me if I want to sell these this wine? <laughs> I'm like, I'd like a right of first refusal on that if possible. I mean, no reason. He's like, well, is it worth a lot of money? I said, well, it's sitting in your basement. I guess not, you know? So he cracks a bottle of it one, one year for Christmas and goes, this is pretty good freaking wine. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like $200 a bottle at the restaurant. Of course it's good wine. <laughs> you know? He's like, you wanted to buy all this stuff for me for like a grand, you cheap son of a gun. <laughs> I said, well, Hey, you know, I found a good deal. It's like the guy that finds the rusty Porsche in the in the barn, you know, and says to the old lady, I take this thing off your hands for five hundred bucks and it's really worth forty thousand, you know? Yeah. That's what your buddy was doing to you on that game. <laughs> exactly. He already he already eBayed that thing. He already had the listing on eBay ready to go. Uh did He's you gonna get it from you for twenty five bucks and throw that thing on eBay for one seventy five, buy it now. Maybe. Yeah, thank goodness I, I looked it up ahead of time. I've sold some games like that in the past where that's been the case. I didn't actually want to talk about this. I was, oh, I've, oh, I, I had something totally different to talk about, which well, was, well, this is a this is a Yahoo Finance story I thought was hilarious. Woman's explicitly detailed grocery list leaves little room for error for husband. She has this grocery list, and we don't link to anything in the after show, so you have to just go find it. But she talks about tomatoes, some yellow, some red. No holes or cracks, the exact weight she wants. And onion, she shows the she shows the uh the different uh size onions, small size, round shape, exactly what they want, draws a picture of it. Uh potato, medium size, shows a small one, a medium one, a big one, points an arrow, 
to the media one. <laughs> like this is this is exactly the shopping list that I need. That seems a little uh, controlling. Did you hear about uh, that Ray Romano bit about uh, how he got out of ever going to the store again for his wife? No, but it probably sounds a lot like how I do home improvement projects. So that means I never have to do those again. His his spouse sent him to the store to get uh, feminine hygiene products for her. Oh, okay. Which, by the way, when I was younger, was a little horrifying. I had to do that. I'm like, oh, really? And now I don't care. I'm like, yeah, all right, deal. Who who cares? Not a big thing. But but back then, I felt like Ray Romano. He's like, oh. So he goes, he comes back, and he brings back a hammer. And she's like, I told you to, I told you to bring back tampons, and you brought me a hammer? He's like, oh. Oh, I'm sorry. And then he says, and she never sent me again. <laughs> yeah. Mrs. OG wanted me to shorten the stools in the kitchen because we have these stools that kind of sit up to the countertop, but they're too tall. So I said, uh, I think we just buy new stools, but I can give it a whirl. So I get out my circular saw, measure twice or measure once, cut twice. That's how OG rolls. Meow. Measure once, cut twice. Oh, I'm, I knew I missed that up somewhere. I bring it in and the, the gap is like a full inch on one leg. <laughs> Different. It's like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> she's like. Perfect. This, is, this isn't even close. She's like, I can't sand this to, you know, stain it the way that I want. I'm like, huh, weird. Anyway, so I guess off to the store we go to get new chairs. I guess either that or there might be a handyman that can make these small stools. Like I can try to hammer them back together and recut them, I guess, sweetheart. I got the I got the legs still out in the driveway. I can. Do you think glue's OK? Do we use the hot glue gun to get these back together? <laughs> You, you sound just like Bob Vila. <laughs> exactly. Like one of those home improvement, like the Property Brothers. Oh, here's how we do this. We got a four-legged stool. We take one of these. We make it about three-quarters of an inch less than the rest of them. And then we hire somebody else to do it. Bam. And then we, and then we go to the, the, the home goods store and buy three new stools for wouldn't eight be, bucks. Wouldn't that be great to have? It cost me 140 to get the circular saw to, to cut them. And it would have cost me 80 bucks just to buy three new stools. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to OG's podcast on home improvements. Today, we're going to talk about the front door. My wife, she wanted the front door fixed. So I took an axe. To, you take an axe that's about uh, three feet long as a nice wide, uh, wide, I don't know. And you just chop the hell out of the front door. Here's how it works. Bam. Bam, 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 bam. Before you know it, the front door is ruined. We're off to buy a new one. Problem yep. solved. Thank you. Problem solved. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I don't I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> well, you don't know what you're doing, but you're pretty good at it. Yeah. Yeah. That too. That's great. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like 
Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.